on the Veterans Broadcast Network. This is Roll Call. What role did you play in your call to duty? You're listening to Veterans Roll Call. I'm Kenny DeCamp. And I'm Nadine Noki. Welcome one and all to this another night of let's find out what kind of roles were you involved with in the service or what role have you had in order to help somebody else who is a veteran. I want to first of all begin by thanking Marty Callahan. He's with the American Legion, Deputy Director of Claims and Benefits for the American Legion. That I mean, he was an amazing host. What do you think, Nadine? I think he was an awesome guest to have on the show. I actually learned a lot from him, and um, I guess we can also recap that, too. Uh, I'll see um, what we've got going on today and and bring it back to you. Yes. We're going to talk today about sort of the transition that one veteran has had to go through after leaving uh, the service. Um, We've been finding out that there are an incredible amount of different MOSs, uh, that military occupational specialty that um, somebody has to have. Mine, for instance, was uh, I signed up to be a medic uh, because uh, being a little guy, I didn't want to become a tunnel rat. So I uh, was in pre-med, went into the um, medic training, and because of some of my scores on some of those tests that they were giving at the time, which changed, I found out, in 1968 through 72. I took my test in 67. Uh, I ended up uh, being able to move myself forward into being uh, uh, becoming one of the first uh, physician's assistants. Uh, ten of us were chosen to help design what the program would be like. Uh, we were all orthopedic specialists. And then when I got out, I had to transition from uh, the ortho specialist job in the military to working towards uh, making the physician's assistant program uh, a legitimate uh, profession. How about you, Nadine? Okay. Uh, First of all, just to be my usual self, I'm just hung up on the word as a younger generation veteran. What does tunnel rat mean first? And then (laughs) I'll get back to what I did because I have no idea and Sorry if I sound naive, but I do not know what you're talking about. Nope, that's why some people said I talked down a little bit on my last show. And I realized, too, that there are a lot of us older people, veterans, uh, understand this thing and that thing. But a lot of the younger people don't know what some of the jargon was. um, Or a lot of us don't even, I'm just learning more and more what benefits I'm uh, available uh, to receive. But uh, a tunnel rat was uh, when you were uh, small like I was five foot six at the time. I was 118 pounds. I just made the weight level to to enlist. And uh, we were the ones that were chosen to go into the tunnels in Vietnam because a lot of the Viet Cong had dug these tunnels underground uh, through and around the cities. And uh, they had these pop-up holes and stuff. I mean, you could literally, like I did in 2011, uh, you can go back to Vietnam, and they still have some of these as part of, a, of the American War Museum. Really? So I, I am definitely naive. I mean, I've watched, you know, tons of different war movies, and that is the first time that I've learned about that. And, uh, well, thanks for sharing. I think uh, I'm not going to be the only one that learns that today. <laughs> and as far as I um, am concerned, I joined the Army, and I was a 94 Delta as an air traffic control equipment and subsystem repair. 
But like most people in the military, especially I believe in the Army, I did not do my MLS the whole time. So I did a number of different roles and um, much to like, it's almost like you can't put that on your resume, but you can. And a lot of good things. I had um, some two brief stints with a CID, uh, worked as basically an intern or an assistant, and uh, that was never part of my MLS. And I also worked in Baghdad Army Heliport, where I helped put passengers on and off planes and uh, had an interesting time learning that aspect, but tons of things that I repaired and tons of other jobs that I performed uh, through the very short time, actually, in the military, which ended up being about five years. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm at. Well, I think we're going to have, if I'm lucky, uh, I'll find out from my engineer if, if our Army bridge crewman is going to be on with us in a little while. Oh, yeah, he's here with us, I heard. So good. We'll we'll be coming back to him uh, in a minute. Uh, On your transition, when you got out of the war that you were involved in, which was the Iraq War, um, did you receive any help in your transition uh, that you can remember that was important and, and, uh, you know, of real value to you? Well, all veterans, I believe in any branch, are required to go through an exit process, and you get a little bit of training of what you should, should not do, and, and um, I all I remember during that time, though, is that I was so excited about getting out of the military, I did not pay attention to anything, <laughs> and I was naive. I joined the military at 17, and by the time I was out, I was about 22 years old, and uh, I did not even... I was 22, like very naive, ready to get out. I was like, I'm going to go to college. That's all. And not very, uh, I did not keep track as much as I should have. I wish I had taken much more of the information that was supplied and given and mandatory on the out processing of getting out of the military, but I did it. And it was only kind of, I'm glad the internet existed because that definitely helped with the transition. Yeah. We didn't have the uh, internet during my period of time. Um, so they, they did uh, eventually you, you got involved with the VA hospital service right away, or did you wait a while or how did that work for you? Uh, as I was getting out, I started filling out my VA paperwork to transition. And then I moved up to New York where I started at the VA hospital in Albany and got involved with veterans then, but I also didn't want to take that role too seriously. In all honesty, uh, I didn't really let people know that I was a veteran for like the first 10 years after I got out of the military, which is, why was that? I, I don't know. I felt like it was almost braggadocious or, um, I didn't want to use it as a way to get ahead. And I don't know if other veterans feel that way, but I, I want to bring it up because that's my honest you know, opinion. The only time when I really started getting, becoming an advocate for, uh, as a veteran and, and helping veterans is when I moved to Florida after I had gone to school and uh, started getting involved in veterans organizations and volunteering. And what led me through that was, uh, believe it or not, all things politics. And I met some veterans that invited me to a group that were bipartisan, but it, it kind of like you know, transition from there. So, and then I, I had much more of a different perspective and pride in being a veteran. That's very interesting. So we'll, we'll go to our guest uh, right now. If we could um, find out about what his transition was like and, and what role he played, which I, I understand that um, uh, he was a Sergeant Brian McCruden's his name, and he was an army bridge crewman. I had never heard of this. So it's going to be interesting to find out what it, it's about, I guess it has something to do with providing bridge and rafting support or some kind of thing, which also still confuses me. So, uh, Brian, are you there with us? Yeah, man, I'm here. Oh, good. Thank you very much for joining us and, and helping us learn a little bit about this. You could see, if you could help us to understand what was your role in, in the Army uh, and how did you transition out from it? Um, well, I served as a 12 Charlie uh, engineer or say combat engineer if you will and um, I served between mostly the, the hot the hot times was between 95 and 98 in the wow. civil war in Bosnia so I transitioned out after I feel like I maximized my potential and um, there was really nothing you know I want to be a, a fitness trainer 
and there was nothing on it. There was nothing about it. There was no information. So I just went ahead and followed my own path, and here we are 23 years later, and I've been doing it my whole life, my whole career. So uh, excellent. I don't know how. But t- I don't know how the hell that happened. Though, but <laughs> <laughs> well, it happened because you're a healthy guy. But tell me, tell yeah. me what what did you do with bridges and rafting support and things? Okay, I, I still am confused. So, all right, so let, let, I'm going to take you through my perspective and then the aha moment. So I'm sure. 17 years old and I want to do the split option where I go to basic training between my junior senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. And when I graduate high school, I go to advanced individual training. Um, at the time, the only uh, – uh, this is done via either reserves or National Guard. And at the time, the closest place to my house was the National Guard, and they were bridge crew members. So, of course, I want to do that because I have to go there for my weekend duties. So, okay, I'll do that. I want to be in a, in a combat arms unit anyway. So, um that worked out. However, I didn't really, I didn't know the significance of building a bridge or rafting. Um, I'm, I'm about, <laughs> by the way, I'm, a, I'm about to start uh, talking for a long time, so you guys interrupt me um, and stop me where you need to. So well, you've got five minutes before our break. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so. Uh, I'm doing my guard duty on the weekends. I'm still in high school. I get out, go to a little bit of college. I'm like, screw this. I'm going to go active duty, and I'm going to go to glorious Germany because it's not as far away from where I live, and it's culturally different. So here I go. I'm still in a bridge unit, report to Germany. All of a sudden, Bosnia kicks off, and guess what? During their civil war, they blew up every bridge. And so now here we have to go in and put a float bridge in to get not just the U.S. Army across it, the whole, I mean, Swedish, German, anybody that has a vehicle has to cross this bridge. So that that was months and months there. But um, we learned real quick the significance and need for bridges and how how they become very high value uh, in nature. Uh, either for service or for uh, target. Um, so that, that that's that in a nutshell. I don't want to. I want to take I, over the conversation. I have here. a question about that. Is that part of like the Army Corps of Engineers that you would be part of? Or I, I hear about that, and the only thing I hear is bridges. Is that um, yes. part of that? Yeah. So the Corps the Corps of Engineers, they're, 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 I believe, most of the twelve series. Uh, and I'm not sure when you were in, but for a moment it became a 21 series MOS. Um, but the Corps of Engineers. So now don't get confused, and this is what always confused me. If you go over an intercoastal waterway, you'll see the castle. It'll say Corps of Engineers. Um, that is not that, – that's like the civilian side of it. That's, that's you know, a pair of jeans and a hard hat and surveyors. <laughs> So I can never put that – I couldn't figure out what it was. But anyway, um, the combat engineers are just – you just get in the middle of it. It's, it's a mess. It's demolitions, explosives, heavy equipment, bridges, um, and anything else that Uncle Sam tells you to do. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we all know that, um, like Nadine was saying, uh, even though she was uh, – air traffic control before you know it, she was doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and, and, and going through through um, a lot of different changes. Myself, uh, after the AIT, uh, we, we were then put in charge, put in charge of a um, hospital in New Jersey uh, in the orthopedic clinic, and then before I know it, I was now working with a podiatrist, and then before I knew it, I was working with a general <laughs> surgeon, because they were just, you know, shorthanded, and also they always needed uh, more people. I was glad that I was able to do it because I was now involved with learning more and being much more experienced uh, for when I got sent uh, overseas uh, and ended up uh, running the largest uh, orthopedic clinic for the uh, American Viet Theater um, uh, during uh, in Japan. 
Well, we're going to have to move off for a little break right now. And if we can, uh, we'll be right back after this uh, brief word from our sponsors. Sure. Roll call. We'll be right back after these messages. My father was the, the best truck driver I've ever known in my life. Like a family tradition. I'm a truck driver myself. I drove around the state with my cat. To be the truck driver, you not just only see where you go, you see the world in the larger perspective. This is a really good time to be in the trucking industry. The dispatchers get good loads for them. The equipment is very new and then it's very reliable. At GTS Transportation, we make dreams come true by employing truck drivers, dispatchers, mechanics, and many other occupations. Consider joining our rapidly expanding team where we put quality, human dignity, and respect back into the workforce. Contact us by visiting our website at gtscarrier.com or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again, 847-754-4667. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics, a proud supporter of the Veterans Radio broadcast for over 15 years. High-quality printing services and warehouse distribution have been our hallmark since 1985, serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com. You're listening to Roll Call. Here's your host, Kenny DeCamp. All I do is a double up the hill. All right, I'm breezing heavy going up and down those hills again. <laughs> yes, sir. I want to tell you, I want to thank I got Brian uh, McGruden on with us. He was a, an Army bridge crewman responsible for providing bridge and rafting support in Bosnia, which now I've learned about, uh, which is unique because, uh, like you said, you got to get across a bridge somehow. And when they were blowing them up, we now were able to, uh, Brian was able with his people to put it back together. Before we go back to Brian for a minute, um, every now and then I'm going to give a phone number out that it might be important for some of you listening, if you have your pencils handy, to uh, take this down. It's a, it's a number that's probably turns out to be very important. It's a number that I wish when I, when um, Nadine was getting out of the service, somebody would have given to her. And it's the VA benefits phone number. It's the one that you can call immediately to get some assistance and direction of what you should do. So if you got your pen and paper ready and you're interested, VA benefits hotline is 800-827-1000. Kind of easy to remember that 827-1000 is a very easy number for you to plug in on. A little bit later, I'll give you a couple more as we go along. Brian, when, when you mustered out, uh, did, was there any kind of assistance that you were given, and were there any disabilities that you had to deal with from uh, your years in the service and Bosnia? Oh, yeah. Uh, as far as disabilities, definitely PTSD. Um, I think that... That's a general issued uh, from Uncle Sam from the get-go for anyone who's been stationed in the combat zone. Um, Exactly. But uh, I don't know. I had a premature hip replacement. I'm sure it had something to do with it. Um, But then again, my career might have had a lot to do with it too. Um, So... Did anybody help you out? Did anybody give you any guidance when you first... We're mustering. Did someone give you any oh, phone numbers no. or directions or tell you to no. make sure you get help? No. I tell you what, the, Not the best. Really, right? uh, no, but um, I got in touch with Mark Eli, or Mark Eli got in touch with me. I don't know if your listeners know Mark Eli. Um, he turned me on to a great is that website that everybody uses, and I think that that by far. Um, for anyone listening that's ever done a VA claim, once you. Once you use this website, um, I had a response within maybe two days, and I had a I had exam appointments made within less than a week, uh, amazingly fast. 
So it's Mark, Mark's probably, or that website, I'm sorry, um, has probably been the best thing uh, for that. Wow. It's a, well, if you think about it, who, you know, like every other government thing, every time you go to do one thing, they tell you to do another, and it's you never know who's talking, the right hand or the left hand, but the website is both hands, so that worked out well. And what website is that that you're talking about? Um, crap. I don't have it in front of me. Well, that's the one with the National Institute for Veterans. Um, it's a not-for-profit now that uh, we here with the Veterans Broadcast Network are a part of. And then right, Mark right. has he, he Mark's a, a, a genius in the software world and created this uh, Veterans Appeal Legal Services um, it, it's about to launch, I'm pretty sure, uh, where you're going to be able to uh, tag yourself in, give your MOS, uh, your years of service, where you were stationed, et cetera, and then provide you with uh, automatic um, veteran department uh, information of what you're um, uh, available to be to receive if they do it right. Like when I yeah. left it out, uh, I even said last week uh, – the best thing that happened to me was uh, the sergeant looked at me uh, after we just about finished, and he said, I'll give you the best advice ever. As soon as you get home, go right to the VA hospital, sign up, and become a part of it because you have no idea what you're going to go through over the next so many years. And uh, it, it, was, it was very beneficial for me to, to be able to do that. You know, I would, they I would say that transitioning. Pardon? I was just told to make sure I have a copy of my medical records and always have a copy with me because they're always going to lose it and you'll never have proof of your uh, injuries and such. And, man, I'll tell you what, I made about five copies, and throughout the years I probably maintained probably two. The rest of them got lost. So um, that helps a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, well, they say that transitioning from active duty, you know, no matter what military or naval or air or whatever, uh, you know, civil uh, civilian life can be difficult because not many of us. I, I was a lucky guy. I went medical. I went PA. And before you know it, uh, I was working in hospitals in New York City um, for some major characters. I helped to develop the PA uh, association uh, for uh, for the new uh, profession that was being developed the, the Department of Veteran Affairs, they, they, they claim, and I think they really do, they try to continue to adapt uh, the benefits and programs, though there are those incredible delays and the appeals, just like you were talking about, uh, Brian. Um, right. That's why you have to have something like a BALS, uh, this Veterans Appeal uh, Program, to, to help you guide yourself through it. Um, but well, right now when you do muster out, especially our new people from Afghanistan, Iraq, and wherever else they were coming out of the service. Um, here are the, what the VA claims that they help us with, and you have the availability to jump on. And that's, of course, health care, your disabilities, education, family, different benefits that you can look into, housing, and uh, jobs. And I'll work with you all on that. We hope to, in the next couple of uh, weeks, have people on that could yeah. help us know more about it. I think as awesome as that is, and just to briefly say, I think the one thing that we're missing, and it's not, I think, the VA's responsibility, or it could be a part of it, but we're missing the camaraderie aspect of veterans uh, through the VA network. And I think I was always hoping and wondering or wishing that somebody would come knock on my door and have, like, two veterans be like, hey, you're a veteran, so are we. Welcome back home to your hometown. What, you know, can we help you with? And I don't know if any listeners or if anyone, you know, in our in our talk today has any ideas about that or any thoughts on, you know, that is what I think we need the most in a civilian world and in a, it, you always had somebody around in the military. Uh, what do you think about that, uh, Brian? Uh, um, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. I, I know that um, dealing with civilian population, I've actually retracted more into myself because um, I, I think a lot of, you know, I, f- I feel like I'm generalizing, but of course I am, 
a lot of civilians think or believe they understand what it means to have camaraderie, uh, that 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 close um, uh, relationship as as we did in the service, and they have no idea. They, they have no idea. They've never had to stop a bullet for somebody, or they've never had to put their life before somebody else's. And to them, that's not even a concept that they that could ever happen or be aware of. Whereas yeah. we lived it every day. And and it, you know when I I don't listen anymore to what people tell me. I watch what they do, and their behavior and that's attitude excellent. tells me more than anything. And um, say what uh, you want and do it. You uh, know. We just, yeah. Not to interrupt too much, but I can you just repeat what you just said about that yeah. listening versus sure. doing. Yeah. So uh, in the civilian world, a lot of people will will say and talk about what they would do and how they can, you know, have your back and this and that. But I quit listening to what people tell me and I watch what they do and, and, I, and I watch how they do it. And that tells me more about the person, um, more than what they say could ever uh, tell me. In fact, the guy with the biggest mouth is probably the guy who's not the um, most, uh, um, your battle buddy. He's not your, he doesn't have your back. He knows how to talk the talk, but has no idea how to walk the walk. And so, you know, I retract into myself. I become like a bird. I just watch people. And when I see something I like or I'm attracted to, then that person probably becomes somewhat of a friend of mine. I like that. I like that a lot. That's awesome. It's interesting, too. I was going to have a a guest on the show tonight um, who is – in charge of veterans affairs for a major organization. Uh, I don't know if I should mention them or not, but uh, uh, being in charge of veterans affairs, they do a lot to try to hire vets and, and help vets uh, is what their claim is. Like, like you said, Brian, they, they talk this talk and they have this on paper. But when I asked him if he would be available for the show for 10 minutes or so, even he said, no, he's a little bit too busy, and uh, maybe in November, end of November, 1st of December, maybe he'd be able to find some time on a Sunday night at, at uh, 6 o'clock. And it, it, was, it was shocking to me that um, he would do that because I've known some people who have gone to uh, his industry of goodwill, and uh, they, uh, they, were, they, were, yeah, they were turned away a little. They, they were told a bunch of things, but then uh, – some of the stuff never came through, never came to a fruition. There you Absolutely. have it. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely agree with that. Uh, but with, like we had with last week, we had uh, the deputy director from American Legion on claims and benefits. Um, quite a unique man. I mean, the information we got from him was great. He really, he really carried the show for us. Um, so, I always thought the VFW American Legions, because I never truly gotten involved with them uh, because of some of the older vets I knew after I got out, I, I thought it was just a place for, you know, to go Pretty have a beer, beer and <laughs> have a burger and Friday night dances and, and stuff. Uh, I, I, I think now that I'm going to be examining them more and everything and joining, uh, I, I think uh, for sure, there are public people within those VSOs that really do help and really do want to help, but just might not know how to have the outreach. I, I would agree with that. And I'd also say it's a mindset. It's whatever you want to make it be at this point. When you're looking at different organizations and, and choosing what you want to look at getting out, it's a choice of what organizations or saying, hey, these people are the people I want to be a part of or not, but you get to make whatever your transition is and is just having the right mindset and the right mentality and being prepared for whatever's coming next. And it's really awesome that you already had an idea about what your transition was going to be. And that was fitness. And I'd be curious to know maybe even after this next break, what um, your, uh, what you use for your transition on that part. Yeah. And with Brian, we thank you. We're yeah. about to go on, on to a break. Um, uh, it was, I know, nice talking to you. I'm not sure if you're able to stay on with us. If you can, that'd be that'd be super too. Um, and uh, I can keep up the great work and and all the best in your health. Well, I appreciate it. And uh, I actually got my son here with me. 
and I haven't seen him in a while, so. Um. <laughs> so, Mike, but I'll tell you, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not really a person that talks a lot, and nor am I the person to do a podcast. But I guarantee well, you, well, we I'll thank you very you. much. I, I, it's my duty to do it for you guys, and, uh, and you know, I'll come out of my shell to, if it helps or benefits uh, our community for sure. It has, brother. Thank you very much. And now let's All go right. away. Your mama, your brother, your daddy, your brother, your sister, your cat, dog with over your left. And that's the reason you left. You're listening to Veterans Roll Call, and we'll be right back after these messages. Attention, looking for semi drivers nationwide. GTS Transportation of Burr Ridge, Illinois, is looking to hire a partner with experienced CDL holders in every state. If you are going to drive, why not drive for the best? Whether you are driving solo, as a team, or as an owner-operator, GTS is looking to add you to their rapidly growing company. Become part of one of the most respected, driver-friendly, and successful transportation companies in America, where drivers are treated as royalty. Contact us at gtscarrier.com. Again, gtscarrier.com. Or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again, 847-754-4667. We would love to help you, which in turn helps everyone. GTS is an equal opportunity employer. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics a proud supporter of the Veterans Radio broadcast for over 15 years. High-quality printing services and warehouse distribution have been our hallmark since 1985, serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com. You're listening to Roll Call. Here's your host, Nadine Noki. All right, welcome back to Roll Call. I'm Nadine here and with my co-host, Kenny DeCamp. And I just found something out really interesting. Brian, are you still there? Is Brian still with us, Mark? No, okay. All right, well. I just found out something really cool, and um, maybe I got the email late. Like, now I feel, like, all bummed out because I really want to ask this question or what happened. But um, our engineer here at the station said that um, our guest, Brian, actually saved a guy's life that drove off a bridge um, in a Humvee. And I am totally bummed out, and now I want to come back and get Brian back on the show and ask him about that. Find out that story, yeah. Right? That's not something that they train you for when uh, that Humvee drove off the bridge and you had to save someone's life. So that's pretty cool. And, another um, great guy, another yeah. good hero. That's we we awesome. really appreciate that. Um, Never? Yeah. Wow. What an amazing guy he is. And I'm glad he's with his son. He got to talk with his son and make, him, make us real proud. Um, get that paper and pencil. I got that other phone number for you. That might help out too. It's um, as we were talking with Nadine and Brian a little while ago, trying to find people that, you know, not just talk to talk, but walk that walk as well. And in every major city and, and quite a few smaller cities, there are vet centers that are, are set up uh, for um, uh, the veterans program uh, for people who get out to find their way a little bit better and, and to be helped uh, in different directions. So that hotline for vet center, which will help you to learn all the different vet centers um, is 877-927-8387. Once again, 877 877- Nine two seven eight three eight seven. That center's hotline. I think we're going to be joined now. If we're we're lucky, we've, we've got somebody else coming online with us. Uh, Mark, I believe it's a Lieutenant Bill Hilbert, and is he with us at this time? I am. Bill, you're with us. Oh, fantastic! I am. 
All right, Bill, we found out, is a field artillery officer. And he was uh, responsible for leading some field artillery branches. Um, and I think the way Mark put it to me, he was once a guy that uh, took big things and blew them up and made them small and then transitioned out and went the other way and took small things and made them big. So very interesting. Uh, thanks for joining us, Bill. Could you tell us a little about your MOS, your service, and how you transitioned? Yeah, I um, I have uh, always had a background of um, design construction from my grandmother and my mother. Uh, when I got out of college, I was interested in pursuing architecture. And just about halfway through the program, Uncle Sam said, hey, I need you. And they had a program at the time when you join at the buddy system, you get to pick um, several things. I, I, I recall you could pick your duty station or your MOS or, or something like that. Anyway, we picked um, <clears throat> three things. Uh, number one was the uh, engineering, engineers. Um, number two was something else. I don't even remember what it was. And number three was uh, I had to pick, I had to pick a um, combat and uh, we picked artillery simply because I've always enjoyed artillery. So Anyway, we got signed up, and of course, my last uh, selection was assigned to me, and I started into the artillery. Uh, went through MOS, uh, went through um, uh, the advanced services, uh, trained, and then got into um, uh, the uh, officer's candidate school. And um, at the same time, I thought, you know, I'm going to be a forward observer when I get out of this thing. And the only MOS that they had at the time that had a higher um, fatality rating was helicopter pilots. So I thought, well, hell, I might as well do it from up there than down here. So I uh, signed up to go to flight school. I got an offer to go to flight school, and I was then short. So I would have had to re-up, and I didn't particularly want to do that. So I declined that and continued in the artillery. I was a um, field artillery executive officer with an MOS of a battery commander, and I was uh, in the training unit at Fort Sill. And at the time I was there, I was there for many months, and at the time the uh, commanding officer of our unit decided to go to Vietnam, and he put everybody in for transfer, and they offered me um, an opportunity for an APO number in San Francisco, sent me to Hawaii. <laughs> I was assigned to um, a, a um, separate brigade from the 6th Division in Fort Campbell, and our, our effort was to train people and rebuild the Pacific Reserve that had just been sent to Vietnam. And so my efforts there were basically training people, getting people, assigning them, um, providing for them, getting them ready to go as a Pacific Reserve unit to be the next assigned to Vietnam. While we mm -hmm. were there, uh, Lyndon Johnson did me a great favor. He cut the um, military spending budget by $6 billion. And one of the units he cut was the 6th Division in Court Campbell, Kentucky of which I was a separated brigade. So while we were there, the orders came down for us to stand down. They called up the um, Hawaiian National Guard, which took over the responsibility for the Pacific Reserve, and they began assigning all the people in our unit to other stations. While I was there, I was there for 59 days with no assignment except the local post assignment. I did officer of the day, I did commissary officer, I did other things, just, you know, day assignments. Most of the time I had to call in once a day, tell them I was there, and then I'd call them in the morning. Those were my beach days. <laughs> Sounds so, like a, a really nice roll call, right? <laughs> well, it, 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 when they asked me, they asked me how, how did I do in the Vietnam War, I said, great. I spent my days <laughs> like on the, the beach. 
Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, so we had um, we had a lot of training going on until that 59 days came, and at the end of that, uh, they gave me my separation. So I was in for three years and then out. Although three years is not just my military background. My dad was in the Air Force for 21 years. So I've been all my life practically in the military, around the military. But then when I got out, I went to school and got my architecture degree and began my um, efforts as an architect and then got into construction and then real estate development and things like that. So all the rest of my life was spent in an office and on a construction site, putting little things into big things. Gave up my, um, my explosive and demolition and shooting at things with big bullets. <laughs> I'm curious. You, I, I, I love just kind of, um, I don't know, maybe that's not even, like, your personality at all, but the nonchalant attitude or joining with a friend, I'd be an engineer, maybe this number two or field artillery, um, which it just sounds like you did it, like, you, you, you had your service, and you made the most of it, and you, it also sounds like you had a vision of what you wanted to kind of do and pursue from your mom and your grandmother about architecture. So on your transition, how did the military help you uh, with that transition? Did you build skills through that, or are you thankful if somebody that was working maybe with your firm after your time in the military, what would you say that the military gave you that you utilized after the fact? Well, I've always thought that the military provided a very great service to humanity besides just the protection of our country. It provided individual growth and opportunity to learn discipline and to learn um, world and life in general. It taught you how to learn teamwork and to cooperate with people and learn how to work with people and continue to take those values into civilian life. I had really thought that and understood that while I was growing up through my dad's Air Force. Um, you obviously can't get away from it when he brings it home every night. So when I got into the military, I was pretty comfortable with what to expect and, and uh, kind of grasped what I needed to learn and get by and serve my, my duty. And um, when I had the opportunity to uh, leave the service, either stay and, and progress or leave, I was ready to leave, and I was ready to leave because I had that dream of getting into architecture. And I had already pursued about four years of the program, but I had two years to go, and I was eager to get back to it. So what I brought with me was dedication to a, a, an assignment, if you will, um, uh -huh. the ability to to pick and play on a team, the discipline to pursue a long, complicated college process, and then take that, that discipline in, into business. So I've always thought that that was an important part of growing up and, and per, proceeding in life, and it served me very well in that regard. I tried to get my son involved in that, but... He decided not to do the military. I wish he had. He'd have been more disciplined. You probably understand yeah. that. Yep. I think a lot of parents get to say that nowadays, too. Um, a lot more than used to, I'm sure. A lot more. You're exactly right. We're getting ready to cut away for our last uh, break, and then when, when we do, we come back. We, we're going to hopefully keep talking with you a little bit, Bill, because I, I got a couple things I want to mention, too. Uh, the biggest thing was that uh, right now I'll mention that Fort Campbell, Kentucky was my basic training. Really? <laughs> so I, I got to learn a lot about that little town. Anyway, I've never been there. here we go. I, oh, you never were? Even though that was the artillery no. unit? No, we were oh. a separated brigade. We were in Hawaii oh. and they were in Fort Campbell. Oh. Oh. Interesting. Interesting. Well, 
we thank you right now. Hang loose with us for a minute, and uh, we'll be right back after these words. All right, great. Roll call. We'll be right back after these messages. My father was the, the best truck driver I've ever known in my life. Like a family tradition. I'm a truck driver myself. I drove around the state with my cat. To be the truck driver, you not just only see where you go, you see the world in the larger perspective. This is a really good time to be in the trucking industry. The dispatchers get good loads for them. The equipment is very new and then it's very reliable. At GTS Transportation, we make dreams come true by employing truck drivers, dispatchers, mechanics, and many other occupations. Consider joining our rapidly expanding team where we put quality, human dignity, and respect back into the workforce. Contact us by visiting our website at gtscarrier.com or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again, 847-754-4667. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics a proud supporter of the Veterans Radio Broadcast for over 15 years. High-quality printing services and warehouse distribution have been our hallmark since 1985, serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com. You're listening to Roll Call. Here's your host, Kenny DeCamp. Oh, yeah, double timing it. Oh, yeah, really good. Thank you, Mark, for double timing me again. All right, well, we're back on roll call. <laughs> I know it does sound a little bit. It's not, it's not, trust me. <laughs> yeah, I have it. <laughs> All right. We're back here on the roll call. With the Veterans Broadcast Network, and our special guest right now is Bill Herburn, Hilburn. Uh, he was responsible for uh, leading a field artillery branch and neutralizing the enemy, uh, which luckily he didn't have to do too much of. And he then later became an architect, and and everything was real great for him. And he brought up a, a point about um, how much he learned um, in the military uh, from cooperation and respect. Uh, teamwork, discipline, and uh, just dedication to the um, the work at hand, I believe, is uh, what I got from that. Yeah, and what I want to bring up to Bill to see what he, he might think of this. Um, Bill, have you ever heard of uh, America SOS? I don't believe so. Okay. I'm not even sure Mark has heard of this, but in the future, I hope to have on a friend of mine, his name is General John Borling. Uh, quite a unique man. His story was that he was um, the roommate to John McCain in the Hanoi Hilton. And he's in your area. He's actually in Rockford, Illinois, and has done a lot to help veterans, uh, both in the state house, uh, as well as his concept of America SOS. And, of course, the SOS stands for Service Over and it's an organization that I belong to because we believe that everybody between the age of 18 and 22 has to spend at least one year doing something for their country. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean joining a military force because you also have the opportunity of becoming part of a police department, a fire department a medical world uh, such as a public hospital. Um, Bill, would you think that that would be something that would be beneficial for our our kids today? Absolutely. In fact, I'm not sure one year is enough. My my personal belief and, and what I told my son was that if you can dedicate two years of your life to learning how to communicate, cooperate with other people, play on a team, Make a plan, follow it through, get your dedication to the point where you can actually accomplish something that you set a goal for. 
then you will be able to pursue any goal you set yourself in your in your life. And I also think that the country is missing a bet. Now, this is just yeah. personal opinion, but there are a lot of people out there with no work, no jobs, no homes, no life. And I think yeah. that there's an opportunity to give those people a life and a, and a job, uh, let them make a life for themselves. If the military would help assign them to some of the some of the, the tasks that we um, hire civilians for, um, could be a be a secretary, be a, a typist, uh, a file clerk. It could be you know working in the fire department on a post. Any anything that that they can be put to work to that does not require incredible training and skills would lighten the uh, welfare rules and give a whole lot of people a lot more meaning in life. And I think they can do that for two years to the point where they can go out in the world and take care of themselves. I would definitely have to say I agree with that. Um, I'm not sure on, on the time frame whatsoever, but I think the fear that I would have to say, and maybe I'm totally wrong about this, is that when we think about civil service during the military, we think we're putting our lives on the line, but it doesn't always have to be putting your life on the line, going overseas. Uh, it can be stateside. It can be supporting a mission or co- the, the common good or the greater good stateside here on this end. Uh, That's right, because the, the Army alone, not counting the other services, has a little over 190 MOSs. That's a job-related MOS, a military occupational specialty. And they have it divided into two basic categories, um, those that participate in combat missions and those that support the soldiers who are in that combat. So I was a supportive in my medical world concept. and, and uh, but, uh, but see if you could remember, and everybody, if you'd like, you know, get into that computer and search America SOS. See what you think of it. See about it. We've been lobbying for years uh, to no avail at this point uh, to get Congress to step up and believe that this is something. But as we discussed, I think, last show, or maybe just something I read, that our declining veterans in uh, the Congress uh, is pretty drastic. Uh, I believe it was in 1980 we had something like 87 in Congress, and now we have 17. So, kind of, kind of strange. Anyway, um, Nadine, where are we at? I would definitely agree that you need to have that kind of perspective, the military perspective, and that it does help you. Uh, your role, um, Bill, Mr. Hepburn, is: Do you, if somebody tells you they've been in the military, does that affect how? you hire them or that you work with them? Does that change your perspective? I'm just curious because it sounds like you've had a pretty successful career, especially post-military. Does that have an impact? Well, yes, it has. I, I have a great respect for the military personnel. They have had dedication. Sometimes it was voluntary, sometimes it wasn't. But when they came out, it was still discipline and the, the ability to, to apply themselves to a task and and successfully pursue it to completion. So I have always given the the upper hand in any situation that I found a, a veteran looking for work. Even even if he might not have the same background and education, he showed a dedication and a willing to learn, which is sometimes more important than what you've already learned. So yes, it's influenced me. I can't say that I have always taken a veteran over someone who may have been better suited for the job simply by virtue of experience, but I have certainly paid attention to it and given it um, very, very heavy due consideration because I think, I, I do think that it instills people and makes them a little bit more dependable, uh, reliable, uh, than those people who haven't gone through that. Not that people who don't get in the military don't have the discipline, 
but certainly going through the training uh, indicates that you have developed it. I, I would definitely have to agree with that. I've worked as an advocate. I've done Woman Veterans Conference here in the state of Florida, and I also have a business that um, caters part of our business to uh, veterans and specifically women veterans and creating apparel and things like that for them. But the question that I got a lot was, well, do you think that I can wear this shirt that says veteran because I didn't fight in combat or I didn't serve overseas? A lot of women, that's just my my audience that I have, have felt like they're not even part of the veteran community because they did not serve overseas. And just in general, I would like to say, if anyone's listening, I always tell them and I would tell anyone you raised your right hand and you swore to protect and defend the country and you put your your life or your life like the period of your life on hold to to dedicate a portion of your life to serving in the military that you are a veteran and that you should wear that with pride and be proud of yourself in general and i had to learn that over time myself that it is a benefit and maybe changing the image and I think it's amazing that you say that, you know, that does weigh on you. And we, I think we should look at veterans' preference when it comes to hiring as a positive attribute. And I, myself, would definitely have a veteran's choice. If I had, if somebody of equal weight came to me and one served in the military, I would probably be more likely to hire the person in the military, not just because of our life interest or background, but because I know that they have learned discipline, they do know how to work together, and they have dedication, and I would just say initiative to get a project done, and I think that also threatens sometimes like a civilian counterpart or employees, you know, coworkers, when you have too much initiative in the civilian world, it almost looks like that's a bad thing, but changing that image and, and making veterans own up and feel proud of what they did and utilizing those benefits civilian uh, work and, and there have been a lot of organizations, businesses, companies, corporations that have tried to hire as many veterans or work with veterans to a, a greater degree. We'll be uh, also looking into that over uh, the next couple of weeks, months, as uh, we continue to expand uh, the roll call uh, on the Veterans Broadcast Network. And uh, I want to thank you really big time, Bill, uh, for joining us and Helping us wait, to, wait, 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 wait. Just real pause. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to interrupt. You didn't save anybody on a bridge, too, did you? Because I'm not going to take this last minute. Did you know fast? No. No, I don't think so. <laughs> you know, All right, just I, I, All right. I agree with everything you said. And, and I, I can remember back in the 70s when I got back into school, you can recall the attitude that people had towards returning veterans. It was abysmal. Nobody wanted to admit they were a veteran. And it was just pathetic when on campus to see all the anti-war and anti-military attitudes. This made me sick. And I'm so glad that that attitude has gradually changed to what it is today with a lot of the recognition that I see on TV and listen to. And every time I, I go to the VA, the, the, uh, the medical personnel there, the last thing they say is thank you for your service, even though they gave their service too. So, you know, it's just a, com a completely different attitude towards military today than it was back in the 70s. And I'm so glad to see that. I hope it increases. Yeah, well, I, we again, I got to thank you because even though you didn't save anybody uh, uh, off a bridge, uh, I do understand that you built a 60-story high-rise residential condo complex I did. called the Millennium. Did. <laughs> did Oprah live there? I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's pretty, that's pretty was, awesome. It was very exciting. Also, I, I've also got to mention that part of that project was, was Mark Eli. He, um, oh, again, he was on a team. He was on a team that I put together to try to develop a computer system to control all the furnishings and fixtures that went into that building. And as, wow. a, as a result of that program, my project saved over a million bucks. Whoa. And you gave some of yep. that to Mark, so, I hope. <laughs> yeah. 
So, so you you can you can pat Mark on the back because he was a very important part of my team. We definitely will do that. Well, thank you so much again. Right, yeah, Mark, you is, bet. Mark is the he's the guy. We just hit the seven o'clock mark. We thank you for being with us for this half an hour. I, I look forward to meeting you in person next time I'm up in Chicago. All the best to you, Bill, and folks out there, Nadine. Thank yeah. you, and we're over and out. Thanks for listening. Join us every Sunday at 5 p.m. Central. On the Veterans Broadcast Network, this is Roll Call. Attention, looking for semi-drivers nationwide. GTS Transportation of Burr Ridge, Illinois, is looking to hire a partner with experienced CDL holders in every state. If you are going to drive, why not drive for the best? Whether you are driving solo, as a team, or as an owner-operator, GTS is looking to add you to their rapidly growing company. Become part of one of the most respected, driver-friendly, and successful transportation companies in America, where drivers are treated as royalty. Contact us at gtscarrier.com. Again, gtscarrier.com. Or call us at 847-754-4667. That number again, 847 847- Seven five four four six six seven. We would love to help you, which in turn helps everyone. GTS is an equal opportunity employer. Dallas Corporation and Dallas Logistics, a proud supporter of the Veterans Radio broadcast for over 15 years. High quality printing services and warehouse distribution have been our hallmark since 1985 serving Fortune 100 companies for over 35 years. Check us out at www.dallascorp.com.